It is summertime. What holy smokes. An incredibly strange year for so many of us. Uh, I'm could not be more excited about today. One little pause just as we uh, get things going uh, this morning. Um, hey, tomorrow's Memorial Day, and that is a really big day um, for a lot of us. Should be for everybody, um, because there's two people that at any moment will lay down their lives for you, and that's Jesus and the military. Those people go to work every single day willing to lay down their life, and we want to be a community that honors our military well. And so please, when there's an epidemic of mental health going on with our soldiers these days, can we be a community that goes out of your way to grab a hold one of the soldiers or ex-military, retired, current, active, and bring them in close and tell them just how thankful we are for them. And so Riverside, can we please make that commitment to do that and to honor them? Let's not just take a day off. It's not a day off. It's a day to remember and to thank them for their service to us. And so please just wanted to make that uh, a little side note for us this morning. So um, uh, this morning, you made it. It is summertime, and uh, no doubt some of you are already like gone and dispersed. I know I've had friends already doing the Disney World thing and just get back, and some are going to the beaches, and some are going to go to the lake houses. Do I have any campers in the room, like people that are go camping? I ab- What is the deal, folks? I love, now, I love camping. It's like my favorite thing to do. Now, ask my girls, my two little girls and my wife, do they want to go camping with dad? No, not at all. But I absolutely love it. It's one of the places that I just connect to the Lord when I'm outdoors and surrounded by his beauty. I just feel the presence of the Lord in a very, very real way. And I've done some epic, just epic camping adventures before. I've been everywhere in Colorado. Colorado is one of my favorite places I've done. New Mexico, uh, I've done, uh, I did Montana for a month in my senior year, getting lost up in the woods in Montana. Beautiful, but my all-time favorite place uh, has to be this place. Um, It is Machu Picchu. This is uh, down in Peru, and it's where me and one of my best friends all throughout college decided that we would uh, hike to when we turned 40. And so we made this big plan and like travel arrangements and did all that stuff. And we uh, flew into Cusco, drove over to Lima and acclimated up in the mountains for a couple of days and then took the three-hour trip up to the trailhead, jumped on the trailhead and hiked about uh, 35 miles uh, to Machu Picchu. And actually, I was on Machu Picchu on my 40th birthday. It was just a spectacular place to go visit. And if you've never been, it is breath, I mean, just breathtaking. In fact, I told my girls, girls, when you graduate, when you turn it, when you graduate from your senior year, dad's going to take you to Peru. You know what they said? No thanks. No thanks. No time, dad. That does not sound like fun. Uh, But when you go camping, there is this thing that kind of happens to you along the way. You expect to be um, reorientated. You expect uh, the camping experience to be pretty disruptive. It kind of brings things in your life to a jarring halt, and you leave behind the comforts of your home, and if you do it right, you go on this journey, and you travel somewhere, and if you do it right, you get to experience something new and uh, uh, pretty spectacular, and if you're lucky enough, on the back side of it, when you come home, 
like there's something different about you, that somehow because you've been willing to go on this journey, that you're different because of it. And I tell you that this, this morning because that's exactly what I'm going to invite you to this summer. Um, to this morning, we're going to start a brand new series called Camping in the Parables. Um, and we call it that because I don't know if you have a whole lot of experience looking at the uh, parables of Jesus, but whenever you look at the parables of Jesus, they do just that. The parables of Jesus invite you to leave what may be familiar and comfortable for you, and they invite you to set that aside and go on this deep journey through the storytelling, and if you do it right, you arrive with a new perspective. You arrive with maybe a new understanding or a new truth that God wants to give you. And so this summer, we're going to slow things down, and we're going to have a lot of fun together, and we're going to spend the next, uh, I don't know, 11, 12 weeks diving into the parables of Jesus. And so before we jump into uh, this morning, I just want to encourage you that it's good practice that whenever you are opening the scripture that you understand that everything is not the same. That every time you open the Bible, the chances are you're going to be reading very different stuff. And as we kind of jump into the parables, I think it's important for us to understand this principle that when you open the Bible, there's historical accounts, there's um, psalms, there's poetry, there's prophetic literature, there's wisdom literature. And so when you open the scriptures, you can't read everything the same. You have to begin to wrestle with, okay, what is it that I'm actually reading? And so I think that's important for us to do with the parables as well. And parables, um, you have to understand, Jesus was this brilliant, master storyteller. And he used to tell parables as a way to reveal biblical truths, to take people on this journey, to pull them out of what used to be comfortable for them and make something disruptive and jarring so that they could adopt a new reality or a new biblical truth. And so Jesus was a master storyteller, and the way he loved to tell stories is through the parables. Now, um, this morning, I brought in a gift. Uh, and uh, let me be honest, no, this is not my wife's engagement ring. It's right here. <laughs> um, I would have to save for about 25 more years to get that one. Um, but whenever we talk about the parables, this is one of the things I want you to picture in your mind. This is a glass paperweight, just so you know. <laughs> but when I hold it up like this, the light will hit it, and it will reflect kind of all around. But if I take it and I turn it just a little bit, what happens? The light will hit it different, and it will highlight, and uh, the light will bounce off it and reflect differently than as if it was like this. And with every turn that you make, it is revealing, or the light will reflect differently and reveal something else. Friends, that's what the parables do. The parables, whenever you hold up a parable, the invitation for Jesus is to let it reflect one way and then for us to step back and to consider not uh, abandoning that truth, but turning it and looking at it from another angle. And what will happen is if you do it really well, it will reveal something totally beautiful that you may have missed the first time through. Because that's what the parables are designed to do. They're designed to uncover 
tons and tons of biblical truth. All we have to do is have ears that hear, eyes that are open, and hearts that are soft. So I'm going to invite you to jump into the parables with me this morning. Honestly, the parables are not easy. They're, they're incredibly difficult. Even the followers of Jesus, his disciples, wrestled with, why do you teach in the parables? And in uh, um, Matthew uh, 13, I believe it is, Matthew 13, uh, Jesus actually answers to them why Jesus chose to teach in parables these things. And let's read that uh, this morning. Look at Matthew 13, starting in verse 10. It says this. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to us in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has been given more, and they will, uh, excuse me, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Who, whoever does not have, even though they have, will be taken away from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though they see, they do not see. And though they hear, they do not understand. And so parables play this very complex role in storytelling where they actually do this. They actually conceal and they reveal. Now, what does that actually mean? Well, one parable for two different people can have two totally different responses. For one person, when you hold up a parable and you wrestle with it, it can be life-changing. It can be shifting. It can be reorientate them. It can completely just wreck that person in a all the right way. And the same parable, the same story held up, heard by somebody that's not open, that's not soft, that's not moldable, can have zero effect on them. And Jesus tells the parables in such a way that he's actually revealing the condition of our hearts, the condition of the reader or the listener of the parable. It's just like when I go camping. When I go camping with my girls, I'm having the best day, day of my life. I'm so happy and I love it. And my girls, not so much. They don't like it. They, they're like, Dad, uh, we've been here for like three hours. When are, we headed up? when are we headed home for the weekend? Same experience, two totally different realities. And that's what the parables invite us to do. So I'm going to encourage you this morning as we pick up the parables that we are the type of community that's soft and eager to listen, that our eyes are open to what God might have in store for you this morning. So let's, let's dive into that this morning. And so turn with me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 13. Uh, we got two just short verses that are really packed with some good stuff, uh, but we got two verses that we're going to cover this morning. And so let's jump into that. Uh, this morning. Matthew 13, starting in verse uh, 44, says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he went and hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought that field. So this parable right here, as we just kind of dive into it, reveals the great, great value of what we found in Jesus Christ. It reveals the unsurpassing uh, worth of just what it, the kingdom of heaven has been made available to us. And it also reveals that the kingdom comes with a high cost. That there is a price 
for the kingdom of heaven. And so let's look at that together this morning. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he hides it again. And then in his joy, sells everything to buy that field. So there's this person in a field and he's not even looking for it, but he stumbles across this pearl that is so valuable. He's never seen the likes of it before. And so he covers it back up and he goes home and he liquidates everything. He sells everything to go and to buy that field because what he found was priceless. The next, the next parable builds right along on it. It says this in 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything and he bought it. And now, as I was studying for this weekend, I found something just uh, pretty spectacular that I wanted to share with you that I didn't know before this last week. Um, now, in uh, Jesus' time, pearls were incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable, and very difficult to actually get. Of course, you could kind of walk on the beach, and if you're lucky enough, you might find a clam that you could open up, and you might find a pearl in one of the clams. But the way that it uh, historically kind of took place, the way that the people back then would find pearls is they would push out into the deeper water, 20 to 30 foot deep, and they would have these big rocks, and they would tie these ropes around the rocks, and then one of the people would hold onto the rock and jump over the side of the boat, straight to the bottom. And when they hit the bottom, they would start feeling, obviously there's no scuba gear, so they would start feeling around, and if they found some clams, they'd stuff their pockets, and then they'd pull on the rope to get up. And if they found a pearl, lucky day. And if they didn't, they would start that process all over again. And when this guy finds this pearl, a pearl that is so valuable in the second parable, that he does the exact same thing, that he sells everything. He's like, listen, I don't want to hold on to anything but this pearl of great price. I've been looking for it, and I finally found it. And this parable, these parables that Jesus lays out for us this morning show the high cost of the kingdom, just how valuable it is to find Jesus, to find the kingdom of heaven. And it also talks about the great cost that it comes with. I want you to hear this this morning. This parable, I believe, invites us to say this. The kingdom of heaven invites you to give up what you were never created to hold on to. That the kingdom invites you to give up what you were never created to hold on to. In both stories, both stories. What was the cost? Everything. What was the response? My whole life, everything I have to go after this one thing. We just came out of the book of Colossians. And over and over and over again in the book of Colossians, what did we say? What did we say? God is not interested in getting behind your dreams and your desires and your longers. That's a me-centered gospel. But what he is passionate about is giving you his dreams his desires, and his longings, and then fueling those things. This parable teaches us then the unsurpassing value of just what we have found in Jesus Christ. And when we find it, we go after it with everything that we have. What was the cost? Everything. What's the only deal on the table? It's one-to-one. All of you for all of it. There is no other offer. 
when you find the one thing, everything else perils in comparison to what we found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus even says it in the, in the Gospel of Luke. He says, listen, if you're not willing to give up everything, you can't be my disciple. You can't come and follow me if you're still going to hold on to all these counterfeit, fake treasures. And you know what I have to ask myself from this parable? Parables are super disruptive, and they, they kind of grab your shirt, and they get up in your business. But I have to ask myself this. Have I made any other deals? Have I accepted any other offer? Because in this story, when he finds the one thing that matters the most, he gives up everything. That's the deal. That's the only deal that Jesus wants to make with you. All for all. All of you for all of him. And I have to ask myself, does that describe me? Truth be told, God, that's, I don't know that I could faithfully say that all all the time about myself because there are still things that I hold on to that I think, oh, this, this is valuable. This is really valuable to me. I can't let go of this. But the invitation from Jesus is one for one, all of you for all of him. What value do you put on knowing Jesus? What value, friends, do you put on forgiveness? What value do you put I love to say that Jesus is, God is so forgetful. He forgets your past. Like what value do you place on being totally forgiven? What value do you place on the mercy of Jesus? What value do you put that, that literally at any moment, friends, at any moment, you have the ability to speak to this mysterious creator of the whole world? Do you see that? Part of me is like, I don't think we get it. I don't think we realize just what we have found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because if we did, all the other stuff wouldn't matter and we would be all in for the one thing. Jesus says this. He says things like, listen, take all of your achievements, all of your success, all of the pleasures of this world, pile them all up and nothing compares to me. Nothing absolutely nothing. It's all Jesus in one place says it's like dirty rags compared to knowing Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven invites us to give up what we were never created to hold on to. I want to I get you to consider this, that whatever you put value on, there's always going to be a response. Whatever you say has value in your life, there should be a response to it. I can't say, hey, I, I value my health and then eat like junk and never work out. It's not, it's not, it would not be true. I can't say I value my family, I value my kids, I value spending time with my wife, and then never do those things. Why? Because value and response always go together. They're hand in hand. They are married. A question for you to consider this morning what does your response to the gospel look like? Would you say from your response, from the repositioning of your life, your life's mission now points to the insurpassing value of what you found in the person of Jesus Christ? Friends, that's a very sobering question for us to consider this morning. 
that if we declare that we have found the pearl of great price, the pearl of great pay, then our response should match the value of what we found. And too often, I think we settle for something that is so stripped down and so foreign to the offer that is made available to us in Jesus Christ. And to be vulnerable and to be honest with you this morning, when we talk about what's the offer, what's on the table, all for all, that's the deal he wants to make. There's still parts of my life that I'm like, oh. And to be vulnerable and honest with you this morning, like there's a whole lot of comfort in my life that's really hard to let go of. And there's a lot of... Uh, There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that I'm afraid to let go of so that I can seize the one thing that matters the most. My insecurities, my pride, my wanting to be noticed. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's only one offer on the table. You've got to be willing to let go of everything that is keeping you from taking hold of the one thing. And anything that we put before Jesus Anything that we hold up and say, this is more valuable than him, it's an idol. No matter what that is, it becomes an idol, and it has to go. It has to go. And I want to share with you a secret this morning that I think so often gets overlooked when we talk about um, this parable or what it means to following Christ. Because most of the time when we talk about like, I've got to go after the one thing. I've got to give up all these things. What we tend to do is we tend to focus on the wrong thing. We tend to focus on everything that we have to give up. Like, I've got to give up the drinking, and I've got to drink, give up the girls and the smoking and the blah, blah, blah. And you know what we never do? We never really focus on how good the treasure is. And so I want to encourage you, as you're thinking through this, don't look at the cost. Look at the treasure that you found in Jesus. Because if all you do is look at what the cost is, what's going to actually happen is you're going to start to become hyper-religious. And you'll turn this thing into some sort of moral pursuit or religious code that you have to follow rather than a relationship that you were designed to enjoy. So we don't look at the cost. We look at what we found in Jesus Christ. In both parables, when they find it, they get obsessed about the one thing and they liquidate it all. They sell it all because they recognize what they found in Jesus far surpasses anything that the wildest expectations. And so they go all in for the one thing. They don't look at everything that they sold. They look at what they're gaining. They look at what they found. And I want to encourage you, don't count the cost look at the treasure. Look at the treasure of the person that you found in Jesus Christ. How many of us have told our story before? All last, this last semester, all we did it, every Sunday is we invited people to share their stories. And I was super encouraged. Uh, we didn't, not here, but a lot of times whenever we share our stories, we're like, listen, man, back in the day, I was having a good old time. And I was, eh, and we go on and we go on about like the good old days, pre-Jesus. And then we, then we talk about it in such a way, oh, but then I gave up everything and I started to follow the Lord. And I'm like, but all that other stuff pales in comparison to what you found in Jesus. And what we typically do is we typically look at everything that it, we're giving up and we forget about just what we found in the person of Jesus. 
It's so backwards. It's like somebody wants to give you $10 million and you're upset about a parking ticket that you got 10 years ago. It just doesn't, it pales in comparison to what we found in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. Look at what it says in verse 44 again. It says this, and then in his, say it with me, joy. He went and sold everything that he had and bought the field. Now, what is actually on the line is not everything that it's going to cost you, but what is actually on the line for you is joy. You are designed to be walk with great joy and abundance and of life. And every time we are unwilling to let go of whatever idol it is, whatever we're holding onto and not go after the one thing, we're actually sacrificing the gift of joy. Because there is no other joy that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not a sacrifice to give up everything when there's joy on the line. You are created for it. You are designed for it. That is one of the fundamental makeups of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is that we don't pursue happiness because happiness is based off of what is happening. And friends, if you're kind of based your life off of what's happening, you're going to be left and right, and you're going to be all over the place. But joy is this thing that the Lord wants to grow in every single one of us that roots go really deep that makes your life actually become unshakable, that you can walk through the hardest, most difficult things and still be filled with deep-seated joy. And that's what is on the line for us, joy. Every time we're unwilling to take hold of the one thing, we're sacrificing the gift of joy that the Lord wants to give us. Now, this morning, as, as we kind of set this chunk down, I'm going to do this with us this morning. We're going to turn the parable just a little bit, and it's going to reveal something just utterly spectacular that maybe you've missed before. Um, in this story, in this parable, who are you? Are you the person that finds the pearl? Mm, yes, right? It could be. That's one way to look at it. But I want to make a suggestion to you to let's twist the parable a little and let's see if God might have another truth for us to wrestle with this morning. Now, what happens if we shift this parable and let's re I want to read it again one more time for us, but let's look at what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and in his joy went and sold everything. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of them of great value, he goes away and sells everything, and he bought the pearl of great price. What if, what if you did not find the pearl, but what if you are the pearl? Do you see how the parable changes? What if you are the pearl of great price? You ever, you ever wonder about how God feels about you, this parable's for you. This parable is your, this parable is your story. What if you were the one that was found in the field? What if you were misplaced? What if you were buried and swallowed up? And when Jesus finds you, he pays the highest price for you, his very life, to buy you back from the hell that was your life. 
What if, brothers and sisters, you were the pearl of great price? This is the gospel story. This is it. You are the pearl of great price. Maybe Jesus tells this story this morning because there's a whole lot of us walking around wondering, do I matter? What value do I have? And Jesus puts out this parable to say, well, let me back up and say it this way. You can tell the cost, uh, 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 the value of something by what somebody's willing to pay for it. And what was Jesus willing to pay for you? Everything. His very life. Remember, it's an all for all. All of him for all of you. If you ever wondered, like seriously, stop. Don't do the church thing this morning. Please don't. It's so disheartening that that this is a place where we can pretend because we know all of the answers. Let's not do that. But for those in here that are like me, that wonder about, man, I struggle with being faithful. I struggle with representing Jesus well oftentimes, and I get really discouraged, and I find myself frustrated and stuck, and I wonder, like, Lord, for real, How many of us actually wrestle with our value and our self-worth? This parable is for you. This parable declares that you are so valuable that Jesus gave up everything, sold everything to pull you back into right relationship with him. That is one of the beautiful pictures that this parable paints. If you've ever wondered, brothers and sisters, how God feels about you. Look at what it says. In the next slide, it says this. In his, say it. In his. Did you know that's how he feels about you? He looks at you with great joy in his life. The scripture says it was in his joy that he scorned the cross. That when he thought about you, it was not half-hearted. It was not half-measured or, oh, I've got to. It is with great joy that he stepped forward and said, that one, ooh, that's the pearl of great price. I'm willing to give up everything, my very life, so that one could come back home. It's for you. If you've ever wondered, like me, do I matter? What value does my life have? This parable's for you this morning. You are the pearl of great price that Jesus bought back so that you and I could be back in right relationship with him. And I don't know what you believe about yourself. And honestly, I'm not sure that even really matters. I think what matters most is what Jesus believes about you. And what he believes about you you are the pearl. You were misplaced. And as we sang this morning, there is this miracle moment where the prodigal comes home. And he does that by buying you back, by offering his very life so that you and I could be brought back into great relationship, to right relationship with him. So friends, I'm excited. This summer is going to be fun. We're going to go camping all summer long. 
And we're going to see some disruptive truths from God's word as we engage the scriptures and engage the parables this morning or this summer. Uh, one thing that you may notice on your chairs, um, you see these little cards. And we have come up with just some challenges. Um, as we read in the scriptures this morning, hey, when you find the one thing, man, you want to go after it. One to one, all of me for all of him, and I want to I want my response to match the value of what I found in Jesus. And so we have just some very, very practical and simple initiatives that we're going to invite the community to do. And so each week you will see just little challenges, and we would love for you and your family, your crew, whoever that is in your house, to be willing to engage with us this summer and to walk these out as a way to say, oh man, we found the great pearl. And nothing else matters but chasing him down. And this is just a simple tool that we're going to use this summer for doing that. And so, friends, welcome. So glad you are here this morning. I'm so thankful for such a beautiful, hopefully restful season for us together this summer. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We bless you. God, nothing matters more than you. We can pile it all up every achievement, every success, everything. And it pales in comparison to what we found in you. God, may we be a community that is brave enough to let go of things that were never designed to satisfy. God, that when we get a taste of just what it is we found in you, that you get really loud and all the other stuff gets really quiet. God, would you teach me, would you teach us as a community to be hungry after you? God, to long for you, to long to hear your voice, to long to experience your joy that you offer, God. May our lives look like we've recklessly abandoned everything to pursue you and you alone. Because as we saw in the parables, that's what you did for us. God, you found us. We were buried up and we were swallowed up and you uncovered us and you bought, you bought us back. You ransomed us back to you. So God, may our lives look like we have responded well. We love you. We bless you. And we're grateful for this gem of a story this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, as always, we're, our prayer teams will be available up on both sides. I know that this time of year is so crazy. And so much is swirling around. And it can feel a little crazy. And uh, I just want to encourage you that our prayer teams are up here. And there's no higher privilege for us than getting to pray and to come alongside of you. We would love that. We'd love to be able to do that with you this morning. So please take advantage of that. But would you stand and would you receive this blessing as you go this weekend. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious and kind to you. May he lift up his face, turn his countenance towards you, and give you his peace, give you his shalom. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, 